Two weeks ago, ravishing Rick Rue took a big step forward the United States Heavyweight Championship. Rue pushes off! One, two, got him! Last week, the natural Dustin Rhodes made a courageous comeback. One, two, three! Even. And next, the final step in the two out of three match battle for the belt will decide the United States Heavyweight Championship on this edition of WCW Saturday Night. to this guy and find out what he's all about. He was sitting down. Good. Let's take it this interview I had with the Shockmaster. August 1993, Clash of the Champions will go down as a memorable moment in World Championship Wrestling. Not just because, not just because of the wrestling, but because of what happened. A flair for the gold. The entrance of the Shockmaster. And we've joined the Shockmaster at his lunchtime break, and as you can see, he looks much different than he did at Clash of the Champions. A lot of times we go for the spectacular entrances in WCW, and we really had one, didn't we? Well, spectacular? Well, what can I tell you? I mean, here I am sitting back, and the Stinger's going to introduce me, right? right? I'm waiting out. There's millions of people. I know it's going in my head. My, hand, my hands are sweating. The guy goosebumps, you know? And all of a sudden, people start yelling and screaming, boom, boom! All these explosions. I can't find the door. Get out of the stage where it's supposed to be. Boom! I made my own door. Fell down on my face. Hat falls off. What? Oh, man. Hey. You know. Everybody's talking about it, okay? Everybody's talking about your entrance. And it, it was something special in itself. But what is also special in itself is the fact that you have to go into the double ring cage war games, the match beyond, coming up on September 19th. That's going to be a battle. What a way to come into WCW. Let me tell you something. I may not be the most graceful person in the world, you know, yeah. but let me tell you something. When I get inside that ring, I mean business. I'm like a shark in the deep water, man, and I'm real hungry. Yeah, and, and you're very intense right now, but I know I saw you in the hallway before you sat down here to lunch, and you seem to be a pretty nice guy. There's a lot of kids looking for your autograph. You seem to like children. Is, is that the case? Man, I love kids, man. I, I can't even tell you, express to you, you know. Uh, they like comic books. I like comic books, you know, watching cartoons on the TV. Man, I watch them all. Bugs Bunny, you know, the Roadrunner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but listen, get ready for war games. We're out of time. Want to come back and talk to you again, okay? Oh, man, thanks a lot. All right, it. the All right. Shockmaster. Thank you, buddy. Did we get that on camera? We did? This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chao Bello Veracruz. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. The American dream! Two! Sweet! 
316 says, I just whipped your ass. But be the man. You got to beat the man. Woo! Look at this. What is going on there to the Magnificent Seven? Hopefully it's still the Magnificent Seven after our fall season premiere of the PWR Podcast here at the PWS Networks on the YouTubes and on the Hami Media Group at Pobbeam.com. Welcome or welcome. We're, st- we're trugging along. We are trugging along episodically. We are trugging along with Spotlight. We are trugging along with movies. We are trugging along with rivalries and, of course, soon reflection i soon we'll be trugging along with some what ifs and we'll be trugging along with some untapped potential episodes but stay tuned reflection the ones that have been loyal to the cause like the tn coupon on the youtube the ones who've been loyal to the cause like the gooches the dino destructions the phillips got wood you know who you are but neither here nor there but again we're trugging along because it is the fall season of the pwr podcast and i must have introduce myself because I am vain like that with this episodic episode of the Pro Wrestling Reflection. I am the studious one. I am the magnanimous one. I am the charismatic one. But most importantly, (coughs) I am the glorious one. The only objective man in the IWC, YWC, the only objective man in this political penitentiary. Your friend of mine, the Professor Chabella Cruz, and I'm not here all alone. Now, for the YouTubers, on my end, I can't see him, but hopefully on your end, you can see him clearly and beautifully. It doesn't matter because we, I can hear him as long as I can hear that angelic <laughs> voice. That's all that matters to me. He is the conservative, conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, Mr. Dum Dum Duel Andy, it's own, the Iron Stomach One. Your friend and mine, Mr. Wonderful, D. Tommy Wonder, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, but I got to I didn't hear you call yourself the scholarly one. What happened there? Uh, you know, I have so many uh, plurals and adjectives. <laughs> I got so many nouns and verbs on myself. You know, sometimes I have to no. save one for the next for the next week. Right there, it is. Mm-hmm. So. uh we, we, we discussed this so last week I think was it last week I said on no because I would I wouldn't have had it no I did because it had shipped so you know I like to for the five people that watch this on YouTube I like to look at that I, can you see me I can see you got a pro wrestling crate a new pro wrestling remember last crate time line. last time I opened one up on here I got this guy who's worth a hundred bucks US mm-hmm. he's gold Harley race um, by the way, I did watch one of those, uh, what's that new app where people auction? What WhatsApp or what's up or something like whatnot? The and WhatsApp the, uh, application, no, what about it? No, no, no. The one where like the the major podcast guys auction shit off. 
I watched Colt Cabana do one last week. But anyways, so let's go ahead and open this bad boy up. Oh, cool. I think this one has, this one I got, last one I got because it had Adam Cole stuff in it. And the only Adam Cole stuff in it was a damn comic book that he drew or wrote or whatever. And I just still haven't read it, but I still, I'm like, all right, I like comic books. So here we go. So hopefully, Reflection Nights, he will be, the, you know, the patience of TW. There getting, what not? Oh, what not? Okay. Hopefully, the patience of TW, he will be rewarded with his patience, and he might get another oh. Adam Cole Bay Bay t-shirt. What do we got oh. here, TW? Oh, Britsburg sticker. Oh, you got we a Britt Baker uh, sticker. We all, we all know I'd hit that. And look, man. The guy that I was a fan of before I actually saw him on AEW, and then I, all of a sudden I wasn't a fan of him because I heard him talk, and then I, now I'm kind of still a fan of his. But this is a this is a pretty cool shirt, man. That would be Hang Hangman Adam Page, right? Oh, oh no, Kenny. Oh, I see it, oh, Kenny Omega. Yeah, Kenny Omega shirt. That's good. Last time I don't know what this silly ass shit. But this is gonna be a girl. Uh, are you going to wear the Kenny Omega shirt around the house, or is this something you'll wear it's, outside? Oh, oh, are you ready? What? She made a triumphant return, and now I got a shirt for her. Candice LeRae. Oh, cool. It's all my dude's wives. Candice LeRae, Britt Baker. Well, he's not his wife. <gasps> it's, man, I got hosed again. It's not, it's not of Chase, mm -hmm. but it's awesome. Oh, Ric Flair. Ric Flair and Harley Race. Now I might have to keep Harley Race. I have three Johnny Garganos, Garganos coming in the mail. Speaking of Gargano. So now you can have a Flair for the goal for the Brawlers edition. Yeah, look at that. Johnny Gargargo pin. Gargargo. Oh, I got a DVD. They still make those? Oh, DVDs? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this is super. Ring of Honor 2019, volume one. Oh. Now you can watch it, TW, and then we might do a now, show from it. I knew that there was some Greg the Hammer Valentine merch in here. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm glad it wasn't a shirt. I'm glad it wasn't a pin or sticker. But, dude, if this isn't cool, I don't know what is. Oh, it's a bottle open magnet that says Greg the Hammer so I can bust shit open and crack open some old, uh, old what's that beer called from Ohio? Yingling. Uh, uh, and here we go. So my 8 by is not going to be Johnny Gargano. Mm-hmm. But it is going to be... Oh, I forgot. He's the last guy that was nothing for. Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze. Certified to go with my Lance Archer. Do these things sell in the aftermarket? Now that stinks. And they already renewed me from the next one. Ah, I like the Kenny Omega shirt. I wish the Gargano pen would have been a shirt. I do like the Hammer Valentine thingamajig. Uh, Brisbane. You know, wait, hold on, TW. For for the for the loyal the loyalist, they probably would say TW's two for two on the pro wrestling crates. He's gotten some good stuff. I would say so. I got a Candice LeRae shirt. I don't know yeah. that I would ever bought that on my own, but I mm -hmm. like her. She showed right. up on Raw, and then. Kenny Omega, AIM, Cupcake, Candice LeRae, Rick Flip. Oh, 
Ric Flair Micro Brawler, 250 chase variants included. I didn't get the chase. Of course, I got the chase of the other guy that was uh, 500. So a Ric Flair chase? Uh, maybe this is 252. I don't know. Well, yeah. you, you know what I mean? I'll bet you it's a red robe for Flair for for that. But usually they tell you what ne oh, next month? Oh, shit. It's already what? renewed, too. You ready for this? What is it? This is going to make some of our four listeners order their own box. I can already tell you by reading two names on it already. Ready? Okay. September great 2022. Spoiler alert. The other side of this car contains contents of this crate but next month's crate beats we should get a fucking sponsorship for this shit sting macho man dan Housen, that'll be the fucking shirt i get along with this garbage insane clown posse abandon lince dorado and mick foley you know i'm hoping thing and macho man is the shirts or mm -hmm. the micro brawlers It'd be awesome if it's server sting too, because we all know I like that sting better. Well, most people most, know that. Most likely, you're gonna get a Dan Housen and Lindsay Dorado T-shirt. That that's where you're gonna get fucked. Fuck fuck Lindsay Dorado has a T-shirt. I'll wear probably. No, you will. I'm just saying that's the shirt. That's the fucking white dude under that mask. So we'd both be white dudes who play Mexicans on TV. There, there you go. So you know, again, another successful opening box opening, or what is it called? A box reveal. Here PWR podcast at the PWS Networks on the YouTube's. But you know what, Reflectionites, we don't do reveals. We go back to the time machines. So now, TW, let's get back in the time machine and do what we do best. Do what we are the kings of, the kings of nostalgia. And you know what, since last week on the fall season premiere, I did the fall brawl pay-per-view from 1999. I thought I'd go back a little bit further within the WCW realms and go 1993. So I decided not to do fall brawl 1993 reflectionized, but I wanted to do a Saturday night that was a building block, a build-up, if you will to Fall Brawl 1993, and you know, Reflection Nights, we always do it this way. We we don't do, you know, segment by segment. We don't go front to the to back. We don't go beginning to end. We will talk you about- You wipe back front. No, I wipe side to side and circular motions, east and west. Yes, you can do it. <laughs> you know, you know, a lot of men don't know how to oh, wipe their you, you hold the toilet paper like this, and those two fingers go inside of your butt, and then you spin on them. Well, you got to get it all out. So that's what I'm just trying to say. It's, you know, a lot of men just don't know how to do it right. But anyway, the, the West has taught us. But anyway, oh, either. Man, you're saying the men that have put their fingers in your butt don't know how to do it right, a lot of them. But the girls do. But some of the men do. Girls do. Don't worry about the men. The men do it for themselves. <laughs> but neither here nor there reflection. Anyway, we're all going back to 1993. You know, I ain't doing anything about butts right now. But anyway. <laughs> TW, I said let's do a Saturday night because, of course, WCW, this, the staple of WCW before Monday Nitro was 6.05 Saturday nights, TBS. Sometimes it was an hour. Sometimes, Most of the times it was two hours. This was a two-hour show with Tony Schiavone and Jesse the Body Ventura. And the first thing, you know, that caught the professor's eye was actually when I was looking at this and reliving it. You know what it was? The music. The intro music of WCW Saturday Night. And you know what? 
reflectionites sometimes tw before we even talk about well i know how you'll talk about everything that you see here but i'm just talking about the intro the musical intro i mean like We've been so jaded or maybe so, like, spoiled with, like, the great intro graphics of Monday Nitro. We've been so jaded and so spoiled with the great intro graphics of Monday Night Raw, uh, Impact Wrestling, uh, AEW Dynamite. What say you about something so, I don't want to call it dinky, but so simple, so plain. It was just that it was the trumpets, the horns. And just, you know, looking at the skyline of Atlanta, GA, that was it. What say you, TW, about you know, the You know what's cool about it is we're looking at it right now in 2022 and thinking, man. But then back in 1993, dude, that's the same fucking music that was coming out of a Nintendo. So, I mean, it's mm-hmm. relative to the time. And for mm-hmm. me, it, it, they, for me, they both played off each other when i would when i because come on we were all buying wrestling games back then they were way better back then by the way maybe graphically they're better now but gameplay wise nothing wait wait, tw hold on you're saying the wcw saturday night music reminded you of like an 8-bit nintendo game song Or, or, or royal rumble like on on uh super nintendo you know not not just regular nintendo but like they all still had that 8-bit sound 16-bit 32-bit because nobody was spending extra money on a soundtrack. Now mm-hmm. you get you turn it on and Buck Cherry's playing on a WWE game, you know. So, but right. my point is, like, like as, this is probably Super Mario Brothers, but it popped in my head. Do 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 do. You know that's that shit got me fired up to play a video game, right? Like, all right, it's loading up. This is it. And when mm-hmm. the wrestling came on and that same kind of like, I mean, it almost. Towards the 90s, it, it started turning into more like late-night talk shows, like like a Johnny Carson coming on or something like that. It's Saturday night, you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. I think, in like, I'm not going to hate on it now because I know back then I was all in on it. It, it. it didn't bother me back then. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not hating on it. I'm not saying, like, I'm hating on it because it was dinky. I'm just hate. I was, I'm just nostalgically, right, right. TW? Nostalgically is something that you, you relive your childhood, your teenage years. That's what I'm we're, trying to say. All right, we're not going to lie to the 12 and say it, it couldn't have been better because it could have been better, yeah. but it was what it was for the time, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Of course. And, of course, let's talk about a duo. Yeah, I think we've talked about it a little bit here and there, but you know what? From 1990, let's say 1990, late 1990, no, no, not late, early 1993 because Jim Ross left for WWE in 1993 because he made his debut at WrestleMania 9. But from 1993 to a little bit of 1994 before Jesse Ventura left because of his uh, qualms with Hulk Hogan, Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura were the stables, the A-list commentators, if you will, TW, of WCW television, whether it was Saturday night or the pay-per-views or the clashes. So let's say you about Tony Schiavone, because Tony Schiavone, you know, when Jim Ross is there, right, TW, Tony kind of like, Took was almost like second fiddle, and probably there was professional jealousy. He know, he was like, I know I could do this. When Jim Ross finally left, Tony Schiavone knew I am the guy. No, there's no interference. Nobody can can replace me except Eric Bischoff when he tried to do that shit with Monday Nitro. But neither here nor there. But TW, <laughs> what say you about Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura? Because I always thought they kind of it wasn't Gorilla and Jesse. Don't get me wrong here. But for Tony Schiavone being the real, real straight man here, 
and Jesse Ventura being that heel commentator. But of course, Jesse kind of like was kind of laid back with his heelish tones. He tried, maybe it wasn't believable, but they still mesh because I remember them like SummerSlam 89, Royal Rumble 1990, when they were doing some stuff together. What say you about Jesse and Tony's show? Skiovani. It's funny because when they came on, I thought, you know, I don't ever think I give them, I don't really ever give them love. And and part of it is because like Tony, Tony for me, and this is if I'm remembering collect correctly, he was before Jim Ross. It was him and Bob Cottle that would do mm-hmm. it. And, and David Crockett. David Crockett, and yeah, not Jim Crockett, David Crockett. And mm-hmm. but t- Tony was the lead like host and Bob Cottle would do the play by play or whatever. And uh or insight, whatever. But then Ross came in when they bought UWF, and Ross was the UWF guy, mm-hmm. and he came in, and I mean, uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with any of those three. Like to me, those three, dare I say it, Lance Russell, Lance Russell okay. too. Th- those four are the the Mount Rushmore of WCW NWA announcers. No offense, David Crockett, but he was always kind of just there. But Bob Cottle is like larger than life. Tony's load larger than life. Jim, uh, Lance Russell is larger than life, which I think you're the one told me he was more of a Memphis guy, but he would mm-hmm. also do WCW. And, uh, you know, obviously the Mount Rushmore and WWF is Vince, Jesse, gorilla and Bobby is probably your four, you know, on the top, but you got, Jerry take, yeah. um, but, but that's the good thing about, about, uh, Jesse is that dude's going to be on the Mount Rushmore both. He's going to be WCW and WWF Mount Rushmore, but they worked well together. And I, I, I always felt like Jesse had fun with, with Tony Schiavone, like almost like it was his little brother, whereas he came off as gorilla's little brother when he was with gorilla, like, come on gorilla. Like, you know, mm-hmm. give him a hard time. Still had fun, but mm-hmm. it, I don't know if they, they were, were I, I get what you're saying. They were more on equal pairing between gorilla and Jesse and then Tony is like the little brother that he could kind of like tease, make fun yeah. of a little bit, but still had his back when needed. And enjoyed every second. Like he all, whenever he was on camera, he was smiling. Jesse was. Whereas yeah, you, you know why he was yeah. smiling? Huh? You know why he was smiling? Because that check was bigger than WWE, and it was right. guaranteed. But the thing with WWE, he was still earning his stripes. You know, he was sowing his oats there, so he was getting better. He used to do this all the time, and Bobby Heenan did it too. When the mm-hmm. other guy was talking, their mouth moved with the words that the other guy was saying. And as I say this out loud right now, I know why now. I never knew before, but now I know because he's yeah. reading the monitor. He's reading right. the monitor that Gorilla's reading, but he's mouthing the words too, waiting for his cue to then talk. And I used to think because I used to do uh, in middle school before I realized that you're a nerd if you did it in high school. I used to know like a, a, a rule in being in a play is you know your lines, but you also know the last line of the person that talks to you, so you know when they say it, it's your turn to talk, and the first line of the person. Your cues, yeah. So I always thought they just knew the words, and then I thought, eh, as I'm talking to you now, I just made the realization these motherfuckers are reading the monitor. Never thought they were before, but now I do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I liked them both together, and and I think I liked him there with Shivani more than I like, like Shivani, I'll take with anybody. Right. So, right. you know, him, him and Bobby Heenan were good. Him and, uh, Ten- I don't like Tanae. Tanae to me always, I don't know. He, he almost, he always came across to me as a guy who didn't like wrestling, but liked getting paid. 
No, well, you don't have to time jump too far ahead. We'll just focus on Jesse and Tony and 1993 TW because before we even get into this WCW Saturday night, we got to talk about one thing here because 1993, you're a year away from being full-time within the business. But again, we've always said this, 1993 is kind of like one of those worst years business-wise for both WWE and WCW. And you could look at WCW in a different scale because, remember, they're going away from Jim Hurt. They're already two years removed from Jim Hurt, right, TW? They're um, probably a year removed from Bill Watts, and they're a year ahead of of making Eric Bischoff the executive vice president or the executive producer of WCW. So there is that hole between, you know, Bischoff taking over in late 94, early 95, and right here. So there's not a lot of structure, if you will. We only know that Ted Turner loves WCW. We only know that Ted Turner loves his wrestling. So Ted, as long as Ted Turner was the head of Turner Broadcasting Systems, TW, WCW wasn't going anywhere. WCW was its staple. WCW was a landmark for Ted Turner. But TW, let's be honest, you know, they're probably not doing, they're not uh, drawing the houses before the Monday Night Wars. You know, they're doing Atlanta Center Stage. So TW, what say you about the the business of WCW? We talked about it, but let's look at it from the scale of, of WCW because let's just call it, they're in that transitional phase of, you know, it's the vision of Jim Hurd, the vision of Bill Watts. Before we even get to the vision of Eric Bischoff wanting to go global, wanting to go worldwide, what say you, TW? I think the, the Bill Watts years, no matter where he went, were the worst years. It's funny for me to say that, being a huge UWF fan, but Bill Watts, all I remember out of Bill Watts is two things. First, three okay. things. He always put his old, fat-ass, bald head on fucking TV. And two, that over-the-top rope disqualification and coming off the top rope with a move was a disqualification. I absolutely hated. Mm-hmm. You're talking huge fan of Brian Pillman. You can't come off the top rope no more? What? So these guys are doing moves off the second rope? You know what it felt like? It felt like he's trying to keep business like it was in the 80s, like get rid of the high flyers and make it a big man's game still so that the little guys just kind of go away. And I just hate, and I, 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 I want to say, didn't he have a run in WWE where he did that shit, the top rope? No, he was in WWE, but Vince McMahon still had uh, autonomy, so he couldn't, like, get away with that shit. Top rope shit in WWE? I feel like he did that top rope shit in WWE. Or nope. it's just when I heard he was there, I was like, great, here we go, right? Like, it's coming. Because I don't, I honestly don't remember if that was a disqualification in the UWF. I don't. I don't remember it. I mean, I remember, like, okay, let me rephrase that. Throwing someone over the top rope, I don't have a problem with that being a disqualification. It kind of should that, be. Right? That was the Southern it's, rule. Right. right. Throwing somebody over I the mean, top rope was a Southern thing. Off the top rope, however, it's just shit to me. It's like, what? Right. You're, so you're basically grounding the exciting guys. And, right. you know... Who's, who the fuck's coming off the second rope, you know, other than Bret Hart with a forearm or Jerry Lawler with a fist? Well, during the Bill Watts years, Brian Pillman did come off the second rope with his dropkick, so it did right. happen. Well, he had no choice. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 stupid. It's, it's, right. it's absolutely stupid. But that's what I didn't like about Bill Watts. However, 93, 92, 91, 90, 
that's what I'm all in on WCW because, you know, well, by 93, I'm almost 20 years old. Well, hell, by the time this show is, I am 20 years old. So clearly I'm not, I'm not into um, wrestling like I was when I was in high school because in high school, what the fuck did you have to do? You went to school. You might went to a high school football game. You might have had a job. But you just watch wrestling. Now at 20, I'm going to Canada getting hammered. I'm chasing skirt. I'm doing all these things that wrestling is like, oh, it's on. I'll watch it. You know, I never walked away from wrestling. You you know what's funny, T.W.? Because when you said that, I just thought of myself in 93. Because no matter what the business was in WCW, no matter how the presentation was, in 93, at least I knew I had a tradition. 605 was a tradition. WWE was kind of weird because, again, by that time, you know, the logistics. But Superstars and Wrestling Challenge, 93, 94, 95, just was not the same. So, but WCW Saturday night was WCW Saturday night. 93, I was still, you know, that tradition never waned, especially having cable. And then, again, this is before Monday Night uh, Wars, guys. But... You had your Saturday night, so you had your tradition. You already knew you was going to be watching TV on a Saturday night, either one or two hours. That was it, because the Braves game kind of fucked it up. So you Braves knew fucked be- it up more often than not, dude. Right, but at least you knew on Saturday you had an hour's guarantee of wrestling at 6.05. So let's get into... And I actually, okay. it's funny you say that, because that's like me pre-gaming before I would go out, because I didn't go out till 7, 8 o'clock on Saturday nights, right? So... Right. It almost benefited me, benefited me to have the Braves cut it short because then I could leave earlier to go find my buddies and go to Canada or go to uh, roller skating or whatever the hell we were doing back then. And uh, but also, I would say I also did that on Sundays with main event at six oh five, so it, or seven oh five, whatever time that one came on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it was six oh five because that's the one I was on. That when it ended. It set up Hogan, Vader, um, and Sting and Macho Man pull apart uh, as they went live for the pay per view at seven because pay per views used to start at seven, and then yeah, uh, well, they moved to but eight. again, the the staple of Saturday Night meant that main event wasn't as big, and even I tried to watch main event, but I wasn't as invested as I was. No, I'm saying WCW. if I was home, I would watch it. I didn't stay yeah. home to watch it. I and and sometimes I'd forget it was on, but right. with W. Saturday night, like you said, I'm sitting there waiting to hear from my buddies, because this is before mm-hmm. cell phones, you had to stay home and wait for the call, I'm waiting for my buddies, and I'm like, wrestling's on, and I'm like, yeah, the fucking Braves ain't playing today, you know, or they, they'd be out west, and they'd start at fucking 10 o'clock instead of uh, right. 7. I, I hear you. So, let's, let's get into this uh, WCW Saturday night from... September 11th, 1993. I didn't pick it because it said September 11th. It just coincidentally, it was on a September 11th, 1993, guys. But anyway, TW, this is a building block towards Fall Brawl, 1993. And one of the things that we notice here, and again, this is the nostalgia in me, TW. This is why I love, I love this. The opening match was the Nasty Boys versus... Uh, Brad Armstrong and Frankie Lancaster. The reason that I liked it, TW, not because that you know it was a squash match, but remember the good old days of weekend wrestling. No matter if it was WWE or WCW, you had that nice lower 
to mid-card guy teaming up with a doofus, teaming up with a jobber. And always the jobber took the pin against the heel. And I was out, and, and when I looked at this match, I was like, damn, I feel sorry. I feel bad for Brad Armstrong. He's got to carry this guy. He knows he's going to take it. He, he knows he's going to lose, but at least he's not going to take the pin. He's not going to have to count the lights, TW. This is what I remember so vividly with tag team wrestling. Like, you had that one, you know, the, the guy that wins at Madison Square Garden, on, you know, as the opening act, give or take, TW. But then when he's in a tag team, he's got to be teamed up with a jobber that's going to lose weekly. This, this is exhibit A, B, C, and D. Brad Armstrong and Frankie Lancaster. What say you about that? Funny, because when I first started watching it, I thought, hey, 10 months from right now is when I met Frankie the Thumper Lancaster because he was uh, doing mm-hmm. a job on Sunday night main event, and then yep. he left. It was him and Canyon and Craig Pittman and Scott Demore, and then I can't remember who the third match was, and Canyon is the only one that stuck around. Uh it, you know, of the, of the jobs, and Demore had his arm broken by Craig Pittman, so it's me, Rhino, Canyon, and that's it. And so they don't use this to pull apart Hogan and Vader, but Frankie had a million-dollar body, but a fucking fun uncle head, right? So if you look back at it now, you understand why he was, like, he had, he had a good, you know, uh match quality right he like he mm-hmm. could he, he could uh put guys over you know do drop kick stuff like that he he got and that's one thing i'll get to that second in uh frankie but the good thing about this stuff was even though it was a jobber i think one of the reasons you throw brad armstrong in there because he was a tweener right he'd put guys over but he'd also get put over um mm-hmm. and he ended up winning the light heavyweight title had a nice run with pillman uh he had he his was moments. I, he was I'm not active. denying that. No, no, you're right. But Brad Armstrong think, had his moments. I think it makes the match look like you don't know the finish, right? Like, was it Nasty Boys versus them? Is that what you said? Yeah, Nasty Boys versus Brad Armstrong and Frank. And they had such such a good aura to them. The, the crowd heat was tremendous for that match, right? And the thing that confused me was they were setting up for Arn and Paul Roma versus them. So I can only assume Arn and Paul Roma were babyfaces at that point because Flair was by the end of the show. Um, no, Arn, but the, uh, oh, Brad, wait, you said Arn and Paul Roma? Yeah, they were yeah. they were babyfaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, I thought they were healed the whole time. I'm like, what is this, heel, heel shit? But Brad Armstrong, to me, like, if you want to talk untapped potential, light mm-hmm. heavyweight championship run excluded, this is a guy who his brother Road Dog got over and is in a Hall of Fame. His little stumpy-ass dad, who looks like a fucking hobbit from Lord of the Rings, is in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. His br- brother, the referee, is well-known. This guy is the Kerry Von Erich of the fucking Armstrongs, and he's never done anything because he just got no, pigeonholed. No, Brad Armstrong's not Kerry. He's Chris Von Erich. He's the runt, you could say. No, no. I'm talking about looks and charisma. He's the absolute best of the fucking group. I mean, okay. Road Dog has charisma, but he mm-hmm. he's the fucking runt, you know, as far as look. Um, mm-hmm. So Brad Armstrong, I to this day, I am a huge Brad Armstrong fan. And and the and the weirdest part about it, we're talking ninety three to ninety, right? 
You you know what band was popular in like 88, 89, 90 to 90, right around 93 when it all came a screeching halt? Was fucking Winger. And this guy looked just like Winger. Do you know who chicks absolutely fucking loved in the 89 to 92? Kip Winger, because he didn't look like a girl like the rest of the bands. He looked like Magnum P.I. with long hair, right? And Mm -hmm. I never understood. I'm like... This guy's got the best build in the ring almost every match he's in. He's got the best, like, cadence. How he, Remember how he walked around almost like a superhero? Like, Ricochet reminds me of Brad Armstrong, how he walks around. And he just well, had I, everything. I was talking about Winger. I don't remember how Winger walked. So that, that's... No, I'm talking about Brad Armstrong. Oh. So, but my point is, I, I, I don't understand how this guy never got a push. And then he kind of did in WWE, but then it just went away. Then he was just a job guy there too. He was remember his Candyman, Brad Armstrong. Was that still WCW? That was WCW. Yeah, but he 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 got some wins in WWF, and I was like, all right, because I I am literally. If yeah, I had he, he got, he, but he got those. Wait, hold on. He got those wins against like the Brooklyn Brawler. He got those wins against you know so Iron Mike Clark. That's not wins. That's just you know that's one thing. But, but when you debut, you're debuting against squash match guys. Just like yeah. this guy's great come out and beat some shit out of some guys when I was watching the episode that came on after I woke up from watching this one. The value of Brad Armstrong is always going to be more than what the fans see. He's valuable right. behind the scenes. He's right. valuable to the boys. He's, He's valuable to enhance the talent. And his job was to enhance the nasty boys and make them look ten times better than they were Did every building time. up to their WCW title match at Fall Brawl against Paul Romer and Arn Anderson of the Four Horsemen TW. So, you know, the Nasty Boys, again, well, this is pre-Hulk Hogan, so you can't say that, you know, Nasty Boys got a job in WCW because of Hulk Hogan, but the Nasty Boys had a had enough traction, TW, to go back and forth between WCW and WWE. So before we get to the next segments, let's see about the Nasty Boys, because, again, you know, for the 90s, Nasty Boy, well, for 90 to 90, I'll be nice here. 90 to 95, <laughs> na- Nasty Boys are top 15 of best tag teams either in WWE or WCW. What say you about the Nasty Boys? Best on paper. They ain't fucking best at anything. I am not a Nasty Boys I'm guy. I'm giving you the t- – wait, wait. I'm giving you the timeline. That's all I'm saying. But oh, you guys know they won. They won. Yeah. They have the fucking resume. I get it. Mm-hmm. But they're the drizzling shits. And they're the guys that when I started wrestling who fucking hurt people, dude. And, like, so on top of the fact that they look like a fucking 10-pound bag of shit in a 5-pound bag, mm-hmm. besides the fact that they're assholes when they talk, um, I actually don't mind the dark-haired one as much as the fucking bomb, but they're both fucking drizzling shits. And for them to just absolutely, every time my buddies would come back from doing jobs in Atlanta, someone would say, did you get the Nasty Boys? Yeah. Because they're fucking assholes, right? And the mm-hmm. fact, you know, it comes out years later that Nobbs is Hogan's boy, it all made sense, right? Th- mm-hmm. That's when you're an asshole is when you feel like you're untouchable. But most guys, it's why I didn't like Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe reminded me of the Nasty Boys. I would watch him bump guys and just fucking kill him. So when he broke Tyson Kidd's neck, nobody was surprised in this fucking head because I saw it coming. I feel horrible for Tyson Kidd. But when I found out Joe did it, no part of me was surprised because he fucking killed people with that move. You, you, there's not a more fucking vulnerable position than that damn muscle buster, which, by the way, makes it all the more fucking shitty of a move because you're fat 
and you're making fun of people with muscles, and then you fucking rip a guy's neck off of his head, and the only thing that saved him was the fucking muscles in his neck. Otherwise, he'd have died. That's that's scary shit. But I have come to like Samoa Joe now. I will never, ever, ever come to like the Nasty Boys because they're just not good. And then it adds to the fact that they're assholes on top of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Samoa Joe is an asshole, by the way. So that's mm-hmm. that's different, right? Like, if you're an asshole and you're shitty in the ring to people, then you're just an asshole, right? But if you're shitty well, in the ring because you don't know any better... Change your, I'm not going to you change your opinion on somebody, T.W. That is your opinion. But anyway, no, neither here nor there. Let's just go on to the next on thing. On paper, they, were acc- they have accolades. I get it. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. That's all it is. But let's go on to another kind of high-profile match here on WCW Saturday Night. You know, it's funny because not every – in the 90s, again, WCW had more, let's say – I'm not going to say, like, A-list matches, but they had more, like, fair mano-a-mano matches, if you will, reflection. Right. Even though these are lower-tier guys, at least it was even. It's like you're going to Madison Square Garden and seeing, again, like, Pedro Morales against, you know, the Brooklyn Brawler, and it's – you know, it's still even enough. But right. we got a lumberjack match, TW. I was, like, dumbfounded with, with this. We had Max <laughs> Payne versus Charlie Norris. We, again, a poor man's Tatanka in 1993. You, you got Charlie Norris. So I felt bad for him. But, again, he served a purpose. He is prob- he is a real Native American. Don't get me wrong. But it was the cast of characters of lumberjacks that caught my eye. You had the Cold Twins. You had... Paul Orndorff, you had Ricky Steamboat, it was just, and you had, you know, David Sullivan before he became a Hulkamaniac, he was the equalizer here, so, you know, you had your, you had the people, you had what was left in the locker room in this lumberjack match between Max Payne and Charlie Norris, and of course, they were building this up for a couple of weeks that Charlie Norris could not get that win against Max Payne because Max Payne refused to finish the match, he kept leaving and going, you know, taking the count-out loss because he did not respect the Native American Charlie Norris, T.W. So now Charlie wanted this match. Charlie wanted a lumberjack match to have him in the ring, one-on-one, a clear-cut winner. But, of course, there was a clusterfuck. Everybody got involved. So what say you about this lumberjack match here? This is where I started fading in and out of consciousness. Another guy you can add to, you can make him the honorary third nasty boy is fucking Max Payne. Another guy that killed people. Fucking mm-hmm. absolute horrible look no matter what. What the fuck was he called? Man Mountain Rock in WWF? Good Lord. He's just another guy where you're like, whose daughter is he fucking that he's in this business as long as he is? And you know what? Might be a nice guy in real life. I don't know. I just know for me as a kid. I know for me as an adult who actually was in the business for a fucking cup of coffee, I don't understand how this guy's there. And then this Charlie Norris, the very first thing that popped in my head when they said he took a count-out loss was, who the fuck is Charlie Norris? We got a Chuck Norris want to be here that I don't remember? And then when I seen him, and I'm like, what the fuck? What kind of Indian name is Charlie Norris? Like, it just none of it made sense to me. And mm-hmm. I think Charlie won because one of the – was it the Cold Twins helped them? Uh, no, it was a it was a bat it was a botched spot supposedly between Paul Orndorff and Max Payne. He thought he was going to hit Charlie Norris. Charlie ducked, hit Max Payne, and of course the roll of victory and the Native American Charlie Norris won the lumberjack match. 
So I guess, you know, you're not a fan of the visual of Charlie Norris. Like I said, a poor man's Tatanka because, I, you know. I believe you and I talked about him before on a different episode, and I had no idea who he was. And I completely forgot. But his name sounded familiar because of us talking about it. And then when I seen him, I'm like, yeah, I don't remember this fucking dude at all. Well, you know, again, maybe a lot of Reflectionites here won't remember who Charlie Norris is. You know, I kind of remember it. Uh, vaguely, he wasn't a tag team too. Uh, you know, I don't remember his brother's name or if it was a brother tag team, but there was another Indian. May no, maybe I'm confusing that with the Young Bloods. Yeah, because they were the Young Bloods were in the ninety were in WCW in the nineties also, but not the Young Bloods from the eighties. Yeah, I was gonna say Jay Youngblood died in like eighty three. Yeah, it was it was they were trying to carry on that legacy of the Young Bloods, but neither here nor there reflection that. So you know, I gotta point out one thing about WCW Saturday Night. And we got to talk about T.W. because, you know, Dusty Rose, the American Dween, this was his baby. This was this was uh, his idea to, you know, again, I don't, I don't want to call it a coup, but they got somebody from WWE to WCW, and they put him, he was going to be put in the main event slot of War Games in Fall Brawl 1993 T.W. And his name, well, Cody Rose calls him Uncle Fred. Dusty Rose mm-hmm. called him Uncle Fred. And his name is Fred Waltman, Typhoon. But he came into WCW as the Shockmaster, and it was a total flop. So for this episode of WCW Saturday Night Reflection Nights, they tried to rectify the botch, TW, if you will. They gave a sit-down interview between Tony Schiavone and Fred Waltman, a.k.a. the Shockmaster. Gone was the, uh, the, uh, the Star Wars helmet. Gone was the cape, and this was the real Shockmaster Fred Waltman in his construction uh, gear. He was kind of looking like a like a bootleg type, uh, not a uh, bootleg tugboat without looking like Popeye the Sailor Man, T.W. So I'm trying to get the visual for the reflection. I said they forgot what the Shockmaster Fred Waltman looked like. But T.W., again, they were trying to, like, make, you know, lemonade out of the lemon when he fucking busted his ass at a clash of champions and of course you know they're trying to build him in this main event war games he is a valuable part of sting and british bulldogs you know war games tag team so let's say you about this well you didn't see the promo but it was a promo trying to you know rectify the botch that was the Shockmaster. you know he was at, he, he tried to be animated, he was trying to be funny, he was trying to be clumsy, so they were trying to, I guess Dusty Rose said, well, roll with it, daddy, you know, roll with this, let's be clumsy here and there, maybe we'll get more empathy out of you, what say you, TW? So, to this day, you know, every time I see it, when that dude falls through the wall, and he gets up, and that helmet falls off, and... He stands up, and he's basically got a, it's not a cape, it's more of like a fucking robe, like, like from Star Wars with the shock trooper helmet. But then he's got, like, moondog pants on with, like, a rope holding him up. And you're like, was this really ever serious? Because how was he going to wrestle with that helmet on, right? Like, at some point, he's taking the helmet off, and we're going to see that it's him, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I would hope, because how the hell he's wrestling with that helmet, unless it came with a chin strap that he didn't tighten. Um, and it just was like, yeah, he had the rub because he was Hogan's buddy. Remember, like, 
that was that's how he came on TV. Saved Hogan against Honky Tonk or somebody. Um, mm-hmm. He saved Hogan from a but earthquake. His last name wrong because Waltman is X Pac's name, isn't it? Workman. I uh, no, I think it's Waltman also. The same spelling? Or Fred, or Fred Watman or Ottman or or something like that. Yeah, I feel like you're saying his, his name wrong. <laughs> I don't know why. Because Waltman just sounds like, okay, because the other tugboat, Taylor, is Chaz Taylor's. Um, That's dad. not him? I know. I know his Tug- name is Fred. Tugboat Thomas, not. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm looking it up now. Fred Ottman. Yeah. W. Mm-hmm. You're saying Waltman, motherfucker. It's Ottman. I said Ottman, too. I, I, I corrected myself. I know what I said. I said Waltman first, funny. then I corrected myself. I said Ottman, but you didn't hear me. Never in a million years would I have thought anything would have made that Cracker Jack outfit he wrestled as his tight tugboat look good. But mm-hmm. he did. He did. Oh, he was trained by Boris Malenko. Well, for, for, for uh, Fred Ottman reflection, I, again, the tugboat character... Semi work because again it was catered towards kids. Shockmaster right. was it supposed to be catered towards kids? I don't know because maybe Dusty Rose Star Wars it had to be. It had to be, but I don't know. If, but he was supposed to be more menacing. He was supposed to be more intimidating. But once he fell flat on his face, he had to be more lovable for the kids. He had to be like a Norman the Lunatic for the kids. But he wasn't, you know, loony. That's what I'm trying to say. There's a problem with that. So you're trying to make a lemonade out of a lemon that happened on Clash of the Champions. So, again, the pro- this promo was to introduce the world to Fred Ottman. It was to introduce the Shockmaster and, again, try to garner some kind of empathy towards him. Did it work? Again, of course, it's hindsight. So, you know, I don't remember Fred Ottman being in WCW more than after Fall Brawl and maybe – a little bit towards the beginning of 94. Maybe it was a six-month gig, and it just, you know, they didn't renew his contract, so they let it run, expire TW. So I can't say it's a success, but at least he has a main event, you know, on his resume. He was in the main event. He was in a main event program with Hulk Hogan, like you said, in WWE, and he's in a main event program with Sting and British Bulldog in one of the war games, one of your favorite matches of all time. So let's say about Fred Hartman. Let's put a bow on Fred Hartman. I, I don't understand why they thought this was a steal. I I, mean, I I think I cheered for him by virtue of association with Hogan. Maybe it's because Hogan was he was there by then, right? It, that's this is when he came there, right around now. It's ninety three. Um, oh. but I, I, this is a lose lose from the get go. Falling through the wall is the only reason we still talk about it. I don't think we would. I mean, obviously we would talk about it if he was on the episode, but. Falling through that wall is the only reason Shockmaster still exists. Matter of fact, those those brawlers, micro brawlers, or whatever the fuck they're called, what do they call them? Mm-hmm. Micro brawlers. They have a chase Fred Ottman where he's upside down in the package. WWE Mattel Elites have him upside down in the package. Like, if you find it, it's rare. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's comic. It's 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 you know, and by all accounts, he is a tremendous human being, right? Like people love this guy, fans and wrestlers alike. And so I'm happy for him. Guy mm-hmm. always had a job, it seemed, until he was done. Um, yeah. But man, I just for the life of me, I, who 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 thought it was a coup? Dusty? 
It could have been a coup for WCW, thinking they, they got somebody from WWE. He right. was, you know, he wasn't that old, you could say. Right. He still had some steam, but again, and they were going to put him in the war games, so they they had bigger plans for him after war games. Maybe he would have had a program with Sid Vicious. He would have had a program with Vader. Who's to say? I'm not saying he's going to be the WCW champion, but of course, he could have been the U.S. champion. He could have been television champion. But again, that fall on his face, Reflectionites, put the kibosh, if you will, on all the plans for lonely Uncle Fred, Fred Ottman, the Shockmaster. So, T.W., let's go on to another thing that we saw here. And it was actually a match that was signed minutes after the Lumberjack match. The Equalizer wanted retribution against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Don't ask me why, because, again, you know, I guess <laughs> whatever happened during the Lumberjack match, Ricky Steamboat got the best of the Equalizer. And, you know, they had their match. And, of course, you know, last week we talked about Ricky Steamboat and Sting. And, you know, what's funny, T.W.? Well, not funny, but what's kind of, like, sad, that 93 and then, you know, he had that that injury against Stone Cold Steve Austin in 19 – well, not Stone Cold, but stunning Steve Austin in 94. So – this is the last year of Ricky Steamboat wrestling, like, full-time or on a full schedule, if you will, T.W. He's only had one more year, and we were going to be, you know, we were going to miss out on Ricky Steamboat. And, and of course, it, it dawned on the professor, and it should dawn on the reflection ice that Ricky Steamboat has got the itch in his 60s. He got the, he got the, he got the intuition. He got the, you know, he got the, he got it from Flair. TW. Yeah. He got the magic he from it. Flair. He he got the itch from Flair to wrestle one more time. So in his 60s, he's going to wrestle. I don't know who he's going to wrestle. Is he going to wrestle Ric Flair Reflection Ice? I don't know. But you know what? Can they recapture that magic? No. <laughs> Excuse me. From 1989? Who knows? But TW, what's say about Steamboat and the Equalizer, a.k.a. Dave Sullivan? Ricky Steamboat wins via roll-up because it wasn't about Equalizer per se because I think the storyline was the war between Ricky Steamboat and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. I don't recall if Orndorff was the television champion back then at this time. I think it was Steve Regal, but I know that Steamboat, Orndorff, and Regal were like the top contenders going against each other. During the episode, they showed Regal with the TV title because someone was getting a shit. Yeah, so I, I always know that Steamboat and Orndorff were like fighting each other, and then after that, the winner would face... Steve Regal for the television title, but they didn't build it that way. But I just always know that those three were in the in the in the rankings for the television title. But let's say about this match here per se. It was a building block. We know because we know it was building more towards Steamboat against Orndorff. And of course, you know Orndorff. Again, the physique is gone in '93. He wasn't the Mr. Wonderful of 1985 at WrestleMania. One, we get that. We know the steroids does his thing, you know, with the body and stuff like that. Nerf but too. Vince Nerf fucked him up too. Well, that was that was 2000, but neither here nor there. But TW again, oh, it's the same thing. 2000. Yeah, that was 2000 when he got that pinch nerve. But neither here nor there. Oh, I thought he had it in the '90s still. No, yeah. So his last match was was that nerve damage in 2000 against Natural Born Thrillers. Trust the professor. All right, I trust you. 
thank you. But what say you about, because again, Steamboat and Orndorff offer that traction because of the WWE fame, and of course, they're great hands in WCW. What say you about those two? So this match, the cool thing about this match is, one thing about, and especially it's only an hour-long episode, one thing about WCW Saturday Night, which, by the way, I can't believe I didn't say this sooner, when I go look at it on uh, on the uh, Peacock Network, it, it wasn't there, this episode, but I saw three seasons, and I'm like, huh? It's because it originally was called World Championship Wrestling. It was mm-hmm. NWA World Championship Wrestling, and then they made that the name of the promotion when they bought it. And that's when it became WCW Saturday Night. But um, So now I wonder if old shit is on there from then, right? Is old WCW Worldwide on there? I mean, you know. Totally an iron at the table. Again, you know, transferring everything from the WWE Network to Peacock does take time. They've said that it's going to take. No, no, no. I'm I'm asking, like, the reason there's three seasons of WCW Saturday Night is because it was only called that for three years. And then. um, No, because WCW Saturday Night did go on from 94, 95, 96, 97. It was still WCW Saturday Night. At the time that we watched this, I'm saying it was it was only called WCW Saturday Night for two years in '93 because it used to be called World Championship Wrestling until they changed the name. But uh, mm-hmm. anyhow, um, uh, this the thing about it it was very fluid. Like a, a, a interview segment would lead to a match, you know, like Flair coming out talking shit, mm-hmm. Bill Dundee would come out to answer Tully talking shit, and then they'd end up in a match, kind of like Memphis did. So. For them to go from the 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 you know the storyline of of Norris and and Max Payne with the Lumberjacks, it bled into the next match. It, it had a nice fluidity to it, right? Yeah. The match itself, who cares? Um, but you just broke me when you said this is like almost the end of Ricky Steamboat's in ring career. But here's who I think he should wrestle. You ready? Because I have been proven wrong time and time again about the wrestler. Because I've always said, this movie makes it out like if Ric Flair wanted to wrestle again, nobody would book him, and he's got to beg to get booked. Now, mm-hmm. to be fair, to be fair, Randy Ram is in much fucking better shape and much younger than Flair and Steamboat. But I, it, it made me realize as you were talking, you know what the match should be? Because I'm going to tell you who Randy the Ram is for real, and has been Randy the Ram for the last 30 years. Twenty. Flair. No, the Rock and Roll Express. Oh, Ricky Morton. Dude, they were on top. They were drawing houses. They were they. He would have the Rock and Roll Express versus Midnight's would or versus Tully and Arn or Arn and Ole. They would have the the match that Randy the Ram and uh, what's my man? The Ayatollah. Ernie the Cat. They would have the match that they would need to recreate. You know, for him to make this comeback because they've never went away. Ever. Mm-hmm. They just wrestled the. They beat fucking Cardona and Myers, or I think it was them. But there, it should be Steamboat and Flair versus the Rock and Roll Express, and then Flair should turn on Steamboat to set up the next month. Flair versus Steamboat. Well, you know, Randy the Ram had difficulties getting. Well, not difficulties, but you know, he wasn't going to get paid fully with his bookings at his age. Steamboat right. and Flair are not going to do anything without getting paid fully. And they're going to get right. paid more. So Right. So I Exactly. But but what I'm saying is it ain't Vince or fucking Tony Khan doing it. They're doing mm-hmm. it on their own. Right. So, you know. I'm saying, and I don't think Vince or Tony Khan 
Triple H now, I don't think they would risk the potential match having someone die in the ring. Because yeah. that's you're it's instant black eye. Like God God listen, man, if these black guys eye, lost someone injunction, all that. And when I say one of them, I mean one of these old dudes that keeps trying to come back in their 70s. Um, okay. Someone's going to die in the ring, and it's still going to put a black eye on WWF and AEW, no matter what, even if they're not associated with it. Someone's going to say, oh, if they had a union, this wouldn't have happened, or, oh, they didn't get paid enough when they were killing themselves in their prime, and they got to mm-hmm. wrestle for money. No, these dudes are wrestling for the love of the business. They're not wrestling for money. But like you yes. said, they're making they're getting paid, especially since Ric Flair. That's where Ric Flair's regret is, I think. That event was such a success. Mm-hmm. How can he walk away from that money? To do it once a year? I mean, he's probably going to be around long enough to do it for a long time, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. how can you walk away from that money? And someone had already tried to get Steamboat to do it, and he's like, nope. And then he mm-hmm. saw that it drew? Because I bet you part of the resistance to do it is... Dude, there's gonna be like five people. Yeah, he didn't want to embarrass right. himself with a low gate. Yeah, I get, I get you. I understand. Exactly. And since it drew, guess what? They're going. Yeah, because people, what do they want to pay for? Nostalgia. They yeah. pay for the memories, and Steamboat still brings those memories. So it is what yeah. it is. And one thing before before we close and talk about the main event, did you notice TW? No, well, I'll, I'll say it right, but. One thing that I noticed here before we talk about Rick Rick Rude and Dustin Rose, because it was a two out of three falls weekly uh, match, per se, was Harlem Heat. They had a match with the Cole Twins. And I think this was the match that made Dusty Rhodes make them change their names because they were actually introduced as Kane and Cole. So there was a problem in the quandary, TW. You can't have Cole doing a headlock on a Cole. Cole is headlocking Keith Cole because, you know, Jesse Ventura and Tony Schiavone always pronounce, you know, always call them Kent Cole or Keith Cole. So it's like Coles has a headlock on Kent Cole. So that's a lot of Coles, TW. So I think after this match, it wasn't that long after Fall Brawl and after the War Games that they got not repackaged but renamed Booker T and Stevie Ray. So what say you about the conundrum that they caused themselves for Har- for booking Harlem Heat against the Cold Twins doesn't matter who won because if the Cold Twins won on a technicality even though the the Brooklyn um, not the Brooklyn uh, the Harlem Heat whooped their ass reflectionized but they wanted to you know draw that heat if you will it's it's <laughs> they're just dumb names dude <laughs> I get alliteration everyone wants it right. Mm-hmm. Like, I was Tasty Tommy Wonder, but you still had to wonder. If I was just running around as Tasty Tommy in the beginning or Dream Date, it, 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 it's easy to remember, but it's also KK is, first of all, that's that's some shit you should stay away from, but it's one mm-hmm. K away fucking controversy. But it's it's just, yeah, whoever booked this match should be like, hold up. <laughs> like, right. you know, Cold Brother number one, Cold Brother number two, and then. But I, for, I always forget that Booker T and Stevie Ray had different names because they were called Booker T and Stevie Ray and Global. Mm-hmm. They weren't Kane and Cole there. They weren't They weren't Booker T and Stevie Ray at the M&A Express either. They weren't? No. They were different names, I think. But I don't think it was fucking Kane and Cole. I don't think what? so either, but I think there was different names for the Ebony Experience or the Ebony Express. But neither here nor there. 
TW. I just wanted to point that uh, faux pas, that the, the conundrum there for uh, what you might call it for the Harlem Heat. So it's kind of funny, but you know, when you're booking this TW, you should know that you can't have Cole having a headlock on a Cole. It just is. You're messing up your commentators. Tony Schiavone probably was on his headset saying, "Yo, Dusty, you understand? I'm saying Cole and Cole. It's stupid. It's like saying, you know, you know, a Cole sandwich or whatever the case may be. It's so stupid. It's so mon- monotonous. It's so moronic. Do you agree, disagree, or have a different take on it from a book? I absolutely agree. And and again, we're gonna take it back to current wrestling. It's it sucks, but it's the reason why William Regal became William Regal instead of Steve Regal because you had Steve Austin. It's the reason Mm -hmm. uh, Shane Helms became Gregory Helms because you had Shane McMahon. And say what you will, but you don't confuse guys in WWF. Then you go over to AEW, you got Hangman Adam Page, you got Adam Cole, you got Ethan Page. You got so many guys that have the same part of a name, and then you also have them having the exact same matches so it's almost redundant at some point, right? So right. if you're not already a fan of them and you're just watching it to go, eh, you're going to leave going, I like that Page guy. And then someone's going to go, which one? Which one? <laughs> or I like that fucking Adam guy. Which one? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's it's You have to separate people. And it's, it, you know, I don't know why. I mean, I guess I know why. Christian Cage couldn't keep Cage. They just made him Christian because Edge only had one name. So it's Edge and Christian. And Christian could be a verb. I mean, a noun or a name, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. So that made sense. But then everywhere he's gone, everywhere else, he's always been Christian Cage, and that's what he was in the Indies. Um, so right. he's been pretty lucky to at least keep that damn name in some form. Um, whereas other guys, man, they got to change their name everywhere they go, and it just gets old. Like, you got to – I'll tell you what, you tip the hat to Kevin Nash and, and Scott Hall because they're the reason people got to start using their real names mm-hmm. because they're like, well – what the fuck are we going to do with Diesel and Razor Ramon? We're not going to come up with something stupid like unleaded and fucking, you know, whatever another word for fucking Razor is. Straight edge. You know, <laughs> so they're like, fuck it, Hall and Nash. And it's iconic. Hall and Nash is every bit as iconic as Diesel and, and, and whatever. But you have to dif- differentiate yeah. between people. And it's funny you brought that up because clearly I was sleeping during that match. But, uh, mm-hmm. I never even caught that. Not as a kid, not as an early adult watching it. Like, holy shit, I never realized Cole's got Cole in the headlock. But they mm-hmm. start, first started off wrestling as the Huffman brothers, and Booker T was Booker T. But uh, Stevie Ray's name is Lash? Lash, yeah. So imagine if you had Lash LaRue and Lash Huffman. Like, mm-hmm. say what you will about Vince, but you're never having that happen there, ever. Right. No, but that's why I said that their names weren't that uh... – wasn't simplified like that. So they had different names. I do, just do remember that. But neither here nor there. So let's get to the main event here on WCW Saturday Night TW. This was a best of two out of three falls weekly match <clears throat> to crown an undisputed United States heavyweight champion between Ravishing Rick Rude and the natural Dustin Rhodes. So, of course, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm out. I hate to stop you, but what? holy shit, I can't believe I just read this. What? They were Booker T and Lash as Ebony Experience. In okay. June of 93, when they debuted in WCW as a tag team Harley Heat, they renamed Booker, Cole, and Lash Kane. They then mm-hmm. were built from Harlem, and you probably know this. I did not. 
Originally, they were supposed to be a pair of wrestling slaves won in a card game by Colonel Robert Parker. And they came out in chains. Chain, but changed it due to racial sensitivity based on their look, coming to the ring in wrist and foot shackles. Wow. Right. Oh, yeah. Wow. I, I knew that. Wow. In the South, no less. That's, wow. How the hell? If cancel culture was wrong back then, WCW wouldn't have been. Holy shit, I had no idea that happened. Hey, at least Ted Turner was progressive enough to say, hell no, I'm not on my uh, cable systems. Absolutely not. So let's talk about the main event here. Like I said, the U.S. title, it was a, to crown an undisputed U.S. heavyweight champion because there was some, this was actually a long, not a long program per se, but it was a rivalry between Dustin Rose and Rick Rude. You know, they've had their, they had those matches that end in clusterfucks, had, theirs, had those matches that ended disqualifications and countouts. And of course, there was the double pin. That's why they, there was no U.S. heavyweight champion TW, so I'm trying to explain this as best as I can. So they wanted to crown an undisputed U.S. champion. One week, Rick, for, Rick Rude won, and the next week, Dustin Rose tied it, won one. I think to me, TW, before we even talk about the what happened and, and how this was building towards fall brawl between Rude and Flair because, you know, Rude was going on to bigger and better things, becoming an undisputed heavyweight champion per se, but... This should have been best out of seven. You had when you did the U.S. title. When you're doing a U.S. title series match, and if you're a fan watching, like if people have been watching TBS wrestling for years, like ten years going strong, let's say, right, TW, you remember Magnum TA and Nikita Koloff, the best of seven series. Dustin Rhodes and Rick Rude could have done a best of seven weekly on Saturday nights. In my humble opinion, what say you, TW, about that? that uh, scenario they yeah the, uh, who who could have been a weekly thing dustin rose and rick rude they could have done a best of seven instead of a two out of three yeah i mean because but then again well two out of three they could have just did it one night but the best of seven is i mean they still do that to this day so maybe someone just wanted to change it up but i was i was did you already give away to finish i was still reading that book of cheese shit but uh, but uh well, the finish is is quite simple, uh, Reflection Ice. Dustin Rose becomes the undisputed heavyweight champion due to outside interference from the NWA heavyweight champion at the time. That wasn't Boy, Rick that player bullshit, Bell? Say what? I mean, Rick Rude. Th- that wasn't for the – I thought it was for the U.S. title the whole time. It was for the yeah, the it was NWO It was for belt? the U.S. – wait, what are you talking about, Flair and Rude? You just said, un- oh, you're- I get you now. You said there was- you're saying he's the undisputed U.S. champion because there wasn't yeah. one yet. They were, right. Yeah, they were crowning a new undisputed U.S. T- champion, and then Flair, who was the NWA champion, cost Rick Rude his U.S. title. Right. Well, he didn't cost him it. He stopped him from using the chair, and then he got rolled up. So, mm-hmm. really, he, he cost him from being Rick Flair because he was about to get disqualified on purpose. But, uh... If he did that, wouldn't that be a loss anyway? Well, the referee was, you know, distracted, so that that spot really messed everything up. Right. But the, at the end of the day, when I'm watching this match, and, yeah, they could have done I, I don't even think I realized it was that. I just thought, you know, I think I woke up and watched the match. I saw it from the beginning. And I just mm-hmm. remember thinking to myself, dude, that, that Dustin Rose, that version of him, looks like 
when WCW would have Randy Hogan or um, uh, who's the other Buddy Landau, Nature Boy. Like it, it, it was like if you didn't really know it was Dusty's kid, you would think it was just another one of those fucking things where they, hey, this guy looks like Dusty. Let's call him Dustin Rhodes. And uh, so I thought about, I'm like, dude, that's 29 years ago. Mm-hmm. And Dustin's still going. Right. That's insane. So he has to be, what, 20 years old there? Give or take, because I think he's like 50, 52, 51, 52 right now. Yeah, so he's 21, 22 at the most, because 29 years ago, this month. And uh, it's what stood out to me was Rick Rude putting him over. Like, it made me feel like Rick Rude is a fucking businessman. Like, you know, like, think about it. The other day mm-hmm. I saw something on TikTok. They asked, oh, yeah, they asked Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's the current wrestler you wish you could have fought? Do you know what his mm-hmm. answer was? Who? Brock fucking Lesnar. And all I thought is, you motherfucker. Now, you have a lot of sack to say that when that's how you took your ball and went home. Right? Oh, okay. Like, at least he regrets it now because he wishes he could have done it with him. He thinks the world of Brock, right? And Well, he knows he could draw money. He could draw a lot of money with him. Right, but he also just thinks, like, he talks about Brock. He's like, that dude played football after – he almost made an NFL team without ever having playing football in his life. Like, mm-hmm. he's that gifted, right? And then he goes to USC and wins the world title against one of my favorites, Randy Couture. But at the end of the day, Rick Rude putting over Dustin on TV, no less, two out of three times, is mm-hmm. like if Austin would have did that for, for Brock at that age, right? If Angle would have Angle beat John Cena, right? Cena didn't beat Angle in that match. Wait, what are you talking the, about? The ruthless aggression match where Cena came out and he slapped him yeah, across the face. Yeah, Angle won. Mm-hmm. So, but it still made John Cena, right? Mm-hmm. But imagine if Cena would have won that match, right? So, mm-hmm. how much bigger would he be? Or maybe it would have been too much too soon, and he would have become an asshole, and he wouldn't be granting the six hundred fiftieth Make a Wish. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. record, but, but I just, it made me think the world of, of Rick Rude when I already think the world of the guy, right? Um, and to see Dustin go over, I, I'll Wait. call it clean. It's a roll up. He didn't hit him with a fucking roll of quarters or the chair. He just Wait, rolled hold, him up. Hold up, TW, because you, you said the word too much too soon. Now yes. let's look at Dustin Rose's career right here by 1993. Multiple time tag team champion multiple time u.s heavyweight champion so that's too much too soon in your eyes right is it too much too much nepotism i know dusty rose can trust his son we already we get the trust factor i am not denying that i would say because it's dusty's road dusty rose kid it didn't hurt him the way it does many other people okay because he had Dusty to ground him. Like, you know, like I was I was watching that interview with Cody in Austin, and Cody was always around the business. So mm-hmm. this is – and, again, I got to say this. I don't have any Dustin Rhodes. I got a gold dust bendy, I think. But um, I don't have any Dustin Rhodes things. I think I'm going to get him. I, he loves the wrestling business, man, whether it's a fucking piece of his dad that he's loving or what. But, you know, when he, when he wrestled Cesaro and I thought, you know – 
that's 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 pretty cool. Like he did, he went there to help his brother, and his brother left him. But mm-hmm. I don't think anyone could question Dustin Rhodes' love of the wrestling business. And and it's funny. It took watching this this one hour fucking WCW Saturday night that you pick, not me. It took mm-hmm. me watching it to realize, man, like. You know, I don't know if it's untapped potential that he's never been a world champion because, dude, Goldust is one of the, to me, one of the greatest characters ever. And if that's not taking lemons and making lemonade, I don't know what is, right? Like, I can still almost quote word for word that promo with Warrior when he came back with Dustin Rhodes where Mm -hmm. he goes, you like making movies? How about this movie? Me kicking your ass from beginning to end and then gives him the stiffest fucking clothesline and goes... How do you like that film? And put on Marlena's hat and cigar. It was just mm-hmm. Goldust was just money. I had a figure of him, but I, you know, I'm gonna find me a Dustin Rhodes Goldust figure. But he just, he, man, he had some troubles in his life, but that probably comes from the nepotism too, right? You get some guilt out of it, thinking, "Am I here?" But I, I would say, Try, in, trying to please your dad or trying to, you know, behold, live up to it. that trip, that that uh, that torch, that tradition yeah, puts a lot that. of pressure on you. And living up to it, and he and mm-hmm. and and you know Cody's got it too, but Cody had that buffer of Dustin in between, right? So mm-hmm. he doesn't have it as bad, and you know he probably that's probably what made him hate Stardust so much. But what right. is the, one of the biggest pops of the night at WrestleMania was him doing that fucking cartwheel and throwing that star up the place he it, right? Like mm-hmm. it, was, it was him accepting it, like that's part of what got him where he is today. If he doesn't do yeah. Stardust. There might not be AEW because he's probably he have. I think we can agree with how shit's going these days. Cody was kind of some kind of glue that held that shit together because it's it's not the same place since he left. And and it's, but it's I was debatable. But I, I'm on your side about that that statement. I, I'm not saying better or worse. I'm just saying it ain't the same, mm-hmm. right? right? And and obviously adding people there who are fucking historically cancers to locker rooms doesn't help, but he was there for that. But anyhow, mm-hmm. long story short, I I think and one of my favorite things ever is that 10-minute challenge where Dustin was in WWF and he had to survive the match with, with DiBiase, and he did. So, so think about that. Rick Rude put him over two times on TV for this mm-hmm. title. DiBiase let him go in there and go 10 minutes and effectively embarrass him because he should have made short work of him. Like all these guys help make Dustin Rhodes, and and obviously it says a lot about Dusty in a in a world where you hear a lot of people talk shit about Dusty, right? Like mm-hmm. they didn't like Dusty. I didn't like no. They didn't like the Booker Dusty, but the guy himself, that guy ate, drank, and shit wrestling. And I would I would I would dare say so do his sons. And and again, mm-hmm. watching this match, and it's a good match. Like, you know what? The the referee bump spot, like mm-hmm. like like Rick Rude is is known as being strong, but you don't look at him and think that because he was always one of the smaller guys as far as bulk, but he was always ripped to shit. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember how the ref got bumped? It was because of the bulldog attempt by uh, Dustin Rhodes. Right. And as mm-hmm. his big ass was in the air hitting the bulldog. Rick Rude pushed him higher and Mm -hmm. over into the referee. And I just went, holy shit. That dude just tossed 280 pounds like it was a fucking paper shooting at a basket to throw it in the garbage. Just, just absolutely impressive. And so, and so like, 
even the match with DiBiase, and, and obviously by the time he's in WWE, which was that? 90, that was probably not long after this. Probably 93, was, right? 94? You're talking about ni- late in oh, December no, 90. That was, that was 80s, 90s, right? Yeah, he had left the contact WWE. Yeah. He was wet did behind he, the ears, he, Dustin Rhodes, in WWE. At least in WCW 93, Dustin Rhodes is, well, is like somebody. He didn't go out there and embarrass the name. Mm-hmm. He went out there and had good matches. He just didn't have a lot or long ones, but he had good matches. And he's, he's, you know who he more reminds me of than Dusty? is Barry Windham. So I don't know if Barry took him under his wing when he was little, but he, he had that fluidity. Like I talked about how Brad Armstrong moved. Dustin mm-hmm. moves like Barry Windham with like the slinky shoulders and his hands down low, shaking his fingers before he locks up. But mm-hmm. he, he just, Dustin has never, I don't think, the only thing he ever did that was weird to me was request the boob implants. But we were learning on social media today that even that might not be true. So, I mean, it was a weird thing. Like, and maybe said it in gist. Like, hey, man, if you give me some implants, I can actually pop them open on TV because I'm a dude. And if Vince it's on like, social oh. media, it's always true. You know that, TW. That's the rule. Right, if you find it on the Internet, it's absolutely true. Absolutely. So, again, Dustin Rose becomes the undisputed U.S. heavyweight champion. And we close this episodic episode of WCW Saturday Night. Again, when you relive your nostalgia, TW, of cable television, TBS, it's a, it holds a special place. And I think, you know, WCW Saturday Night or World Championship Wrestling, whatever you want to call it, TW, even though it was really WCW Saturday Night from, let's just say, from 92 to 2000, was actually eight years, TW, because I remember that, but neither here nor there. It was a staple until the Monday Night Wars kind of, you know, took the speciality, took the tradition away from it because the new tradition is now Mondays since 1993, thanks to WWE with Monday Night Raw and thanks to 1995 with Nitro, which lasted only, which lasted six years until 2001. With that being said, we close on this episodic episode of the PWR Podcast here at the PWSO Networks on the YouTube. So, TW, let's give out those socials before we get out of here. But, but before you give out the outros, TW, I will give you what we're doing next week because I didn't want to keep you on your toes. At least I want you to think about it. I want you to be prepared about it. And since it is the new fall season, we've already done two episodics. We're going to do a spotlight next week. All right, TW? So it's apropos because it's supposedly supposed to be the 25th anniversary of this particular faction. So we're going to do a spotlight on D-Generation X. We're going to talk about Triple H. We're going to talk about HBK. We're going to talk about Rude. We're going to talk about China. We're going to talk about the New Age Outlaws. We're going to talk about X-Pac and all points in between. What do you think about that, TW? Long overdue. I agree. It's a good idea. All right, TW, so give out those socials so we can get out of here. Uh, how about the first one? What about for, what first one? Well, you usually give me the parameters of what I'm talking about at the end, and you didn't this time. Well, am I omitting or am I including? Like last week. Just do it like last week. All right. So mm-hmm. the Hameen Media Group at Podbean.com, they're airing. Is it? Is that one just an audio, right? That's not a video? Yes. that's the audio. And, the hustle does the on Stitch or on the we do the YouTube's on the PWSL networks. 
PW also does the YouTube. All right, so mm-hmm. you always talk about that. So Hami Media Group at Podbean.com. You can get us on there. Obviously, Apple. Um, and then our Twitter is at PW Reflection. Um, and we can't do this without Big Ray. And he's working hard on our, our new concept uh, for one of the shows, at Big Ray Hernandez. That's also his TikTok where he will sing you a lullaby. And, I, you know, I, I hate him for it because he gave me the app. So I could also sing like that because you won't get banned on TikTok for using copyright stuff if you use it that way. Mm-hmm. But when I do it, the ear pods don't go through at the same time, so I end up singing when it's not the time to sing. And this dude's singing Kermit the Frog the other day without even looking at the phone. And I'm like, okay. I, I'm going to guess that he doesn't do it in one take like me, but he still mm-hmm. does it in prep. So if you don't follow anybody on TikTok yet, Big Ray Hernandez is a good one to start out with. So at Big Ray Hernandez on Twitter. Probably Instagram too, and on TikTok. And then for me, at Tommy Wonder nineteen or at the Tommy Wonder are my are my uh, Twitters. Tommy Wonder nineteen is also my Instagram. The Tommy Wonder is also my TikTok. Snapchat is number Wonder, and then Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. There's actually a Tommy Wonder Facebook too. That was my backup in case it got banned. One of my buddies just had his account deactivated, by the way. I didn't even know they did that shit, but he had to start a new one. And then awesome, you know, Vito and his wife, Noel, they're at bigvitobrand.wixsite.com, patreon.com backslash the big Vito brand. Uh, check them out there. And then dum dum doing the idiot. Still ain't done shit, but we're doing it soon. Okay. I keep telling you, man, you got a TikTok so you can, you can eat solo, but that's neither here nor there. But I'm gonna do half of Mountain Dew and half of a, a light beer. I'm gonna say diet beer, give or take. But that's why you got a TikTok for TW to act act fool yourself. But ain't neither here nor there. So you can find me on my Twitter at pwsoprof. That's pwsoprof. And again, this video, if it gets uploaded by Eight Track Brown, will be on the PWSO networks on the YouTube. And of course. Follow my brothers in arms, Mr. Infinite Fringe himself, Billy Ray Valentine at Obi-Wan. You know me. And, of course, the king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown at 8-T-R-A-C Brown. So, again, next week we're going to do a pro wrestling spotlight, D-Generation X, long overdue. So, with that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful, the Tommy Wonder saying good night, and we'll see you next time here on the PWR Podcast. Peace! Woo!